Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, from the arts to sports, and from business to history, and everything in between, including your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. And this next story, well, it's the story of Frank Breyer and the tragedy of the British transport ship Rona in 1943. Despite being the largest loss of U.S. troops at sea, Due to enemy action in a single incident, the full details of the attack weren't released until 1967. Here's Professor of Political Science at Grove City College, Paul Kengor, to tell the rest of the story. 
Any veteran of World War II can tell you stories. But for Frank Breyer, his story, one he could never forget, was a terrible one. It began the moment his ship, called the Rona, was sunk. When that ship went down on November 26, 1943, Frank's life changed forever. And very few people beyond the men tossed into the sea ever knew what happened. The HMT Rona was an 8,600-ton British troop ship carrying mostly an American crew to the Far East Theater. It went down the day after Thanksgiving in the Mediterranean off the coast of North Africa, the victim of a German missile. But it was not just any German missile. This was, it seems, the first known successful hit of a vessel by a German rocket-boosted radio remote-controlled glider bomb one of the first true missiles used in combat. It was, in effect, a guided missile, and the Nazis had achieved it first. And the results were immediately destructive. According to the website that today serves as the official online gathering spot for the Rona Survivors Association, more lives were lost on the Rona than on the USS Arizona at Pearl Harbor. Over 1,000 boys, to be exact, lost their lives, and their government kept the entire episode a secret out of fear of information being leaked about the power of the German guided missile. The government feared the effect on the morale of the U.S. military and the wider population. The hit was so devastating, states the Rona Survivors Association, that the U.S. government placed a veil of secrecy upon it. The government, it said, still does not acknowledge this tragedy, and thus most families of the casualties still do not know the fate of their loved ones. It's very sad that only now, long after the few survivors are even fewer, the Rona survivors are attempting to hold reunions, over 70 years after the event. The secrecy was so tight that Frank Breyer's daughter, Mary Jo, spent painstaking years with her dad trying to tug out details and piece together what occurred. Dad was haunted frequently by this, Mary Jo told me, but it was not so much the sinking of the ship, but his personal inability to save many men. Those awful moments of fire remain seared in Frank's brain. As the ship burst into a giant fireball, Frank manned the ropes of a lifeboat packed with injured soldiers. He was ordered to hold the ropes tight and lower the boat with the soldiers into the water below. This was no simple task, especially in a chaotic, panic situation. A lifeboat filled with men isn't light. That was proven quickly as the ropes broke and Frank watched the men below him in his care fall to their death in the sea. The image of those men slipping from his hands into the abyss horrified him. But the nightmares, they would come later. In the meantime, Frank too was forced to abandon ship, which submerged within merely an hour. For his own crowded lifeboat, he and five other men seized a floating wooden bench. As the darkness slowly enveloped them with night setting in and with the fear of still more German missiles, Frank led the group in reciting the Lord's Prayer. They say there are no atheists in foxholes. Well, there were none on that wooden bench in the water that night either. Frank and his group with their floating wooden bench took turns. Four of them would float on the bench and two would hang on the ropes. They feared not only Germans, but sharks, and for good reason. Anyone familiar with the horror story that was the USS Indianapolis knows how the sharks slowly but steadily devoured the boys floating in the water over a course of several long days. 
The crew of six tried to get some sleep while floating in the cold water, but couldn't. They needed to stay focused on holding on to their floating device, the bench. To their great fortune, they were in the water only for about six hours. Just as the sun started to rise, they spied a rescue boat on the horizon. It was a mine sweep that picked them up. They were taken to a facility in Algeria to recover. But for Frank, there was little emotional comfort. All he could think about was the wounded soldiers that he couldn't save. But worst of all, Frank could not share what he was going through. They were ordered not to write or talk about the Rona with their family or even among themselves. The military censorship was so strict that they were threatened with court-martial if they ever disobeyed. And so Frank kept it secret all the way to the grave, tormenting him yearly, monthly, weekly, daily, night after night throughout the rest of his life. Frank Breyer died on January 4th, 2016 at age 92, seven decades after the sinking of the Rona. He now at long last rests in peace. Let us at long last remember him and the entire crew of the Rona. And thanks again to Paul Kengor. And that was his story and his contribution. And Paul is a professor of political science at Grove City College. And there are so many untold stories of World War II and so many of our nation's battles. We tell them here on Our American Stories. And if you have one yourself, family members, something from your family history, and I don't care if it goes as far back as the Civil War. We had one great lady from Memphis who had sent some Civil War letters to us, and we recorded one, and it was just extraordinary. And she'd kept it as a namesake, as a keepsake for her family heritage and her family lineage. So send them to us. We'll have them recorded by you. Again, that was Paul Kengor, and that is Frank Breyer's story and the story of the Rona and all those forgotten men and unknown men who died and perished on that tragic day. Their stories all here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the stories we tell about this great country and especially the stories of America's rich past, know that all of our stories about American history, from war to innovation, culture, and faith, are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College a place where students study all the things that are beautiful in life and all the things that are good in life. And if you can't get to Hillsdale, Hillsdale will come to you with their free and terrific online courses. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. This is Our American Stories, and one of our favorite regular segments is our American Dreamers series. And today, Alex Cortez brings us the voice of an American classic. When I grew up, the word depression didn't enter my vocabulary, it didn't enter my consciousness. And little did I know, I lived through it. <laughs> but I didn't know it was going on because I was well taken care of by loving parents and a family environment. We're listening to Donald Sturm, whose parents were German immigrants that settled in Brooklyn, New York. My father had some securities, owned some real estate in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, or wherever it is, and lost everything. And never recovered financially and wound up getting jobs 
in the restaurant business no longer as a manager because those jobs became few and far between and wound up being a waiter for the rest of his life. He worked hard to bring home money so that he could take care of his family and he, he did so in a very heroic way. He never, I never heard him complain. He, he didn't achieve much financially speaking, but he had a great family and he was a great father. Grew up uh, in a very dense neighborhood in the sense that there was lots of people, nobody had much money. There were five of us in the building. We lived on the, I think the third or fourth floor is a walk up, there was no elevator. We had one bedroom. I shared a room with my two sisters. They slept on a bed together. I slept on a cot. So last one in, first one out, in order for the people to move about, my parents had the bedroom. We had one bath and you had to get along with everybody to get your turn in a reasonable time. Later in life, Donald wouldn't have such considerations, achieving financial success that his dad probably could have never dreamed for him. Donald helped lead the billion-dollar conglomerate Kiewit, went on to own many banks, and made several appearances on the Forbes 400 list. And yet he's never forgotten what life can be like for first-generation immigrants, like his dad. In about 1989, 1990, when I'm still in Omaha, it became apparent that there were very educated foreigners that came to this country and they were licensed, educated doctors, dentists, lawyers in a foreign country. When they come here, they're nothing because they don't have the license, they don't even have the proficiency with the language. So they can't even sit for a test because they don't know the English language at that point in time. So that came to my attention in Omaha. So Sue and I decided that we were gonna help a goodly number of these people. They will say like a hundred, I'm not sure. I never really counted. So we started a English as a second language program so that we got these people somewhat proficient in the English language. And it worked. So people, a doctor, for instance, who was sweeping a floor in the jewelry store could take the qualifying exam in Nebraska to get his doctor's license. The same thing with lawyers and engineers and whatever they were. It was a very successful program to help people help themselves and give them the tools to do that and succeed in life. We really felt good about it. But it was very small compared to what we did here in Denver. So after we moved here in 1991, we decided that we were gonna try and do that in a much more systematic way. We signed up with the University of Denver to do that in a bigger way. So. We provided money, we provided computers, we provided whatever we needed to provide, because I had the money to do that. 
people were so thankful, so gracious about expressing themselves because we helped them get started in, in a new country, in a new way, in their old profession. Well, there's a lot of motivation to the thought that it's always with me that my father never had that opportunity. He came over here at a very, very young age, was left with his aunt, and that's how he grew up and never had the chance of going to school. At the time of our interview, Donald was 89 years old, and he's still coming to the office each day for a full day of work. I don't want to retire because I don't want to feel like I have nothing left in my life. I got a lot going in my life now. I'm a, mentally, I feel like I'm 40. I, I know physically that I'm no longer 40. I, I know that there is a termination along the way here. I'm not going to live forever, in other words. But I want to use my brain and take medication, whatever I need to stay alive and stay vital, to continue to see my kids grow. I don't mean grow physically, I'm talking about intellectually, business-wise, I need to spend time mentoring. It is so boring to be contained in your apartment and people like me are not supposed to go to the office. You're supposed to stay home and do what, I don't know. So I want to continue to do what I'm doing. My doctors tell me I'm chronologically a lot younger than my age. My physical being is good. Notwithstanding the fact I have to take pills. <laughs> so I have a lot to look forward to. Uh, I have a little gym in my apartment across the street there. And I work out every morning. Every morning I'm on the floor for at least 30 minutes exercising, stretching, and whatever. At least four and maybe five times a week in the afternoons on, on the weekends during the morning, I, I work out. I have a, a bike, recumbent bike, and I have weights, and, and I do all kinds of things like that. That takes probably an hour and a half. So I try and keep myself in reasonably good shape. At this age, I can't go as far. And you, you, the other thing you need to do is reconcile with yourself what your l new limits are and adjust to them, adjusting to things that happen or your environment is so important and not being pissed off at it because you can't, I can't dunk a basketball anymore, I used to. So I can't be irked. I use that as an extreme example, by the way. So you, you, you want to continue, I want to continue to do what I used to do to the extent I can. I still want to figure out how I can get out of the house earlier in the morning. How do I, uh, am I wasting steps? When I was five years old, I was always concerned about how do I do things better and quicker? I still am that way. Uh, the other thing that I do is that I, I think when I'm sleeping. I still do that. I still get up in the middle of the night and my mind is running. When, unless I have to, have to, have to, have to make a decision uh, on something that's important, I won't. Because I know that if I, I don't want to say muddle through, because it's not muddling, but if I think about something, whether it's I'm thinking about it, most of it is I just digest it. 
without thinking about it. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. Maybe everybody does that, I'm not sure. Uh, I come up with a better answer. And you're listening to Donald Sturm, and what a unique voice. And memory, well, it, it runs deep, and he remembers well, what his own father went through and his own parents went through coming to this country. I do. It wasn't my parents, but it was my grandparents. I saw what a language barrier did to my own grandparents, and they insisted that not happen to their own kids. A great American dreamer's voice, and in the end, a great American dreamer's story. And always, so many of our American dreamers, grateful and always generous. Donald Sturm's story here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash OAS. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OAS. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. 
Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Our American Stories, and one of the things we love to do on this show is tell history stories. Our next story comes to us from Benton Harbor, Michigan, and is a bit of local history you won't forget. Here's our own Monty Montgomery with a story. In Benton Harbor, Michigan, there's an interesting story that started because of a Michigan-eccentric. The media called him King Ben. They started calling him in the teens, they called him King Ben because he was mega wealthy and he, he ruled an empire very much like a Michigan Roman Empire. I mean, who, who had that much wealth and that much success in America? I don't know very many people. That's Chris Seriano, founder and curator of the House of David Museum in St. Joe, Michigan. A museum dedicated to an interesting bit of local history that got its start because of the so-called King Ben. Benjamin Purnell was born in Paducah, Kentucky in 1861 to a very, very poor family. He was the seventh son in the family. Grew up basically with nothing and was an intelligent child and loved to listen to the fire and brimstone campfire talks at night and that his father would give and uh, the townspeople. By the time Benjamin was 14 years old, he was extremely uh, book smart and could basically memorize a book cover to cover. And he was given the King James Bible for Christmas on his 14th birthday. And he digested the whole Bible and at that point, he felt like he should be a messenger from God and like a missionary. When he was 16 years old, he met Mary Purnell, his wife, and then were itinerant preachers through the South up into the Midwest where he set down roots in uh, Fostory, Ohio. That's where he first started his first church. It was called the God House, a huge congregation of people, believers in his faith, which was a, a Christian communal celibate vegetarian lifestyle, very similar to the Shakers is what he taught. And that if you believed in all these things and were a Christian and uh, believed in God and Jesus, that you would have eternal life of the body on earth. You would never die. And it was in Fostoria 
that his daughter, Hetty, turned 14 years old. Hetty started her job, her first job, at a fireworks factory in Fostoria, Ohio. And he announced to the congregation that evening that Hetty, he was proud of her, that she had gotten a job. And you could see the factory out the windows of the church. And about halfway through his sermon, the fireworks factory caught on fire and actually blew up. So it was very obvious that nobody survived that explosion to the people in the church. And Benjamin and Mary went over to the window and were quiet. And uh, within a couple hours, authorities came banging on the church door and wanted Ben and Mary to positively identify the remains of Hetty's body. And he refused to acknowledge that that could be his daughter because of the fact that here he is teaching, if you believe this faith that I'm, that I'm sharing, you'll live forever. You'll never die. You'll have eternal life of the body. So there's no way that he was going to admit that his daughter was dead, especially to his whole congregation. Immediately after that was that the townspeople had to get together and have a huge funeral for Hetty. She was a very popular kid in town. It was the most decorated funeral in the history of that town. It's not a small town. And after the funeral, they stoned the church and drove Benjamin and Mary out of town. They didn't want them there anymore because they wouldn't partake even in their own daughter's funeral. At that time, Benjamin already had knowledge of the Albert and Louis Boschke, who were considered the second leading wagon factory manufacturers in the country behind Studebaker. And they were here in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Extremely wealthy, extremely successful men with a lot, a lot of intelligence and a lot of connections. But the biggest thing was, is they were already believing in this faith. And when he arrived, he explained who he was and what he was doing, and they accepted him. So they gave Ben and Mary over $400,000 at that time, which was night, fall of 1902, to acquire the land and begin life at on Britton Avenue there in Benton Harbor. Life at the House of David basically consisted of strictly Christian lifestyle. They were all vegetarian. They were celibate, so they could come to the House of David and join at single, married, or married with 10 kids, didn't matter they did not live anymore with their spouse. So the men were separated in mansions, different from the women, even different from the kids. The kids lived in a building called the Ark, which is also a schoolhouse and a dormitory until they were 14 years old. Rules were that there was no, basically no contact with the opposite sex. If you wanted to have lunch or dinner with your spouse, you could eat for 30 minutes in the married couple dining hall in the basement. The men could also not cut their hair or shave their beards. But despite these rules, countless people looking for a new life flocked to the House of David, many of whom were wealthy industrialists. They acquired people from all over the world, and they they didn't focus on recruiting 
highly intelligent, successful people, but they were a magnet to those kind of people. So those people from all over the entire globe flocked in. But when they joined, in exchange of life at the House of David, where you were given a place to live, a gorgeous place to live, you were given housing, food, clothing, in exchange for that, you gave them all your worldly possession. According to the people that I interviewed at the House of David, they felt that the biggest day in the history of the House of David was the day the 85 Australians landed in Benton Harbor. Amongst them were a husband and wife that owned a diamond mine. Along with them were world famous actors and actresses and musicians. And by the 1920s, it's documented that the House of David had over $35 million in the bank. That's a lot of dough today. Mm -hmm. uh, along with cruise ships and trolley cars and bus lines and hotels and resorts around the world and, and uh, the diamond mine and a gold mine in western Oklahoma and a coal mine in Kentucky. And the reason for the coal mine was because during World War I, when the government tried to ration the use of coal because of the war, Benjamin just went down and bought a coal mine and made it private. So they, because they generated their own power, with coal, with giant coal turbine engines. Uh, they generated their own electricity. So they, there was nothing that would stop them. And you've been listening to Chris Seriano, and he's the curator and founder of the House of David Museum in Benton Harbor, Michigan. And what a story you're hearing, folks. And when we come back, more of Benjamin Purnell's story on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. And we continue with Our American Stories and with Chris Sariano, founder of the House of David Museum in Benton Harbor, Michigan, telling the story of a religious colony in town at the turn of the century. People didn't want to sit around and just wait for paradise to come. They wanted to do something to occupy their minds, and they were good at it. You had a job that you were given. Benjamin would interview you and try to figure out what your talents were. And he was amazing at finding out someone's highest, best use, even though maybe you didn't know it yourself. He had the financial wherewithal. He had the, the, the power of people and the ability to take someone to the greatest in the world and the greatest in the nation. And because of that skill, the members of the House of David were able to create new inventions that they otherwise wouldn't have. Sometime in 1903, when a guy came from, joined from Sweden, that was an ice cream maker, he helped invent the waffle cone. And then they uh, introduced it to the St. Louis, 1904 St. Louis World's Fair. There are 
people that say, no, this person made it or this person made it. But the House of David, in fact, did make their own waffle cones starting in late 1903. Because they had cruise ships on the Great Lakes, they invented uh, the cross-propeller system because they lost some cruise ships from early storms that tipped them sideways because they were so tall and thin back in the day. They had 100,000 acres of farmland, so the quality of the fruits were very important to them. Benton Harbor had the world's largest grower to buyer fruit market anywhere in the world and huge money. And the House of David had 100,000 acres of farmland, but they couldn't, they couldn't guarantee the quality of the fruit. If it was a super hot sweltering day, or maybe it was raining hard, or maybe a frost was coming. So they, they thought, you know, we have, to, we have to invent some way of securing our investment in fruit. So they built the world's largest cold storage building where people from the world's largest fruit market could pull off, pull up to the House of David cold storage building. For pennies, you could put your fruits and vegetables in the cold storage units, which would take the temperature down to a point where it would stabilize the quality as long as you wanted to from that day that you brought it there. So the next day that that fruit market was really popping and dollars were big and the buyers were big, the farmers would fly over to the House of David cold storage, pull their fruits and vegetables out. They looked exactly like they did when they dropped them off. And they invented that and they, 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 they were cutting edge on that. And so back in the 60s, when uh, NASA was planning on sending people to the moon, the astronauts, they were trying to figure out a way, how do you make a full meal be able to go into outer space with the pressure and not explode and not screw up the astronaut's stomach if he does get it in there? And so they approached the House of David, who in turn took that process with their own scientists down to a powder form. So steaks, potatoes, whatever is on a, a full dinner plate, they made it into a powder form with an airtight wrap. And those little packets were what NASA sent to the moon with the astronauts House of David made. But the House of David's interest in travel wasn't just confined to outer space and the sea. It also extended to trains, miniature ones that you could ride on. In 1904, Benjamin and Mary Purnell traveled to the St. Louis World's Fair. There were so many reasons that they went there, but mostly to get ideas on how to, how to do things to, with crowds of people. It was during that time that they saw and they traveled on uh, little steam engine trains built by the Cagney brothers out of New York. And those steam engine trains in St. Louis were hauling millions of people all over into this World's Fair during this whole year long event. So at the end of the World's Fair, Benjamin bought one of those little steam engine trains, had it brought back to Benton Harbor, Michigan, taken apart every piece of it, and they recreated those trains, made them better, stronger, slightly bigger, and they built eight of them, just exactly like that. And, and uh, from 1905 to 1908, by 1908, there was a fleet of eight 15-inch ste uh, wide steam engine trains. 
which were promptly put to work carrying passengers around their amusement park, something they inherited as a simple resort called Eastman Springs with the money their wealthy backers gave them when they first settled in Benton Harbor. The reason that they had the amusement park was basically because of the Australians, their desire to entertain. They wanted an avenue to be able to draw people in for the purpose of entertainment. And because the 85 joined on the same day that were world famous actors and actresses and vaudeville show people and, and musicians, they thought, what better way to use that Eastman Springs Park as to turn it into an amusement park. So they, in, in 1905, they started building the railroad around the amusement park. They started building the amphitheater, which was state-of-the-art, world-class amphitheater. And they wanted, to, they wanted to entertain people. They wanted to get their message out through the form of music, basically. So when you arrived at the park, by your trolley car or your bus line, you just thought that you were gonna go to a show or you know you were gonna listen to a band, when in fact, you got on their little miniature train to go into the park, you bought, you got the whiff of those waffle cones cooking and the homemade ice cream, you couldn't resist that, like a Kilwins times 10, so you got that for a nickel. You went back in there and you got entertained, you got food for nickels to maybe a dime, um, you could drive the little race cars, you could go to the zoo, you could spend the night in their park hotel, you could eat at their vegetarian restaurant in the amusement park, but it was, they did it for an experience and for people to think of them as something more than just a fate. It was such a unique experience to see all these men with long hair and long beards, long beards, and very humble uh, Amish type uh, people and it, it was actually an awesome experience. I went there as a little kid and we went for years and it, it, it was a good feeling. It was like an old grandpa standing there. They were very kind, they were very accommodating. They would answer any questions that you had. They would help you with things. It was a unique experience and it brought people by the tens of millions. It was the leading amusement park in America only behind uh, Disneyland. And that was only after 1952. Before that, from the time it opened in 08 until the early 50s, there was nobody that had more people attending an amusement park in America more than the House of David amusement park. You know, Walt Disney came here and studied the House of David in 1950, 51. And he actually bought one of the House of David steam engine trains, one of the original ones, took it back to Anaheim, California with him, where he created his own little railroad there at his property first and then later at Disneyland. So it was a huge, huge success. But despite the continued popularity of the park, people didn't necessarily want to join it. And as a result of their belief in celibacy, one by one, the members of the House of David, including Ben Purnell, passed away until the point where they had to close it. It had closed in 74. Uh, people would still wander through. They were, you were allowed to go there and walk around and reminisce and feel your memories and stuff. They didn't keep you away, but it was closed. It was totally like a abandoned amusement park kind of thing. Uh, they closed everything down. They still ran a print shop. 
Uh, they still had their art department building where they made their own beautiful statuary. They still participated in, in uh, Blossom Parade floats and musicals and things like that. But, and they all, they just wanted to enjoy life quietly from there. You know, they were up there pretty good. It's like a fairy tale place in a way. It, they, they touched America in such unique ways. They, they definitely left their mark. They left a beautiful mark on the world. They touched people in unique ways. They, um, what they created will live on. You know, their inventions. Uh, there's so many things that live on way past them. They invited us in to feel it, to experience it, but then we had to go home and they got to stay. They found a pretty dang cool way to live. And they were happy all the way until they closed their eyes. They really were. And you're listening to Chris Seriano, and he's the founder of the House of David Museum in Benton Harbor. The story of Benjamin Purnell here on Our American Story. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth no matter who you are. Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega. 
Philadelphia, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.